0: Just before we get going on this episode, I'm going to give you uh, a shameless plug for Kessley skis. Um, Kessley have just very, very kindly agreed to uh, sponsor me for um, uh, for skis uh, for the forthcoming couple of winters, and uh, and I really, really appreciate them doing that. Um, my current daily skier is the Kessley RX12 GS, which is an amazing ski. It's a sort of old-school ski, no funky tech in it, but it's just got a beautiful um beautiful flex uh pattern and uh, and it's it's a really fun playful ski which is what i'm looking for um certainly in a in a ski so uh so if you're looking for in the market for a new ski check out um, castley uh, skis at com. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snowpro Ski School based here in the Port de Soleil in Switzerland. Um, this week I have an interview with Tom Waddington. Now Tom is the current uh, Alpine director of the British Association of Ski Instructors. Um, he's also the director of New Generation in Verbier and he also runs... Um, a little B and B just by the uh, the base of the La lift called Una Lodge, which um, which uh, which is where we met actually for the uh, for the meeting. Um, so we interviewed in person. This was back in May, just while there was still quite a lot of uncertainty, sort of COVID uncertainty um, here in Switzerland. But that's all, all really eased off now. They've backed off on on a lot of that stuff. I know that the UK and parts of the US, uh, various other countries, are still, you know heavily into lockdown and hopefully that's going to ease for you all soon like it has done here and and frankly the people have gone in the population of Switzerland have gone back to normal life pretty much as it was before with the exception of a few arrows on the floor and and disinfectant at the uh, at the entrance to every shop So life continuing as normal here And I hope that reality comes to you soon enough If if, if that is, if you're still in a sort of lockdown situation um, It's a beautiful day here in, in the Port de Slay. You can hear uh, probably behind me the birds are singing and the, the sun is out uh, That's after about a week of rain And we've actually had some probably snow down to about 2,200 metres I think um, The glaciers are open uh, or starting to open up uh, Zermatt is open For skiing, I think uh, Sassfay opens up my sort of more local glacier, Sassfay will open up. um, I think at the start of July, so uh, so yeah, things things coming back to normal for uh, a skiing summer. So that's going to be great. Um, In this first half, with the interview with Tom, we we, we talk about um, Lodge itself, we talk about Tom's skiing background and and some um, his transition actually, where he went away from skiing, ski instructing more towards ski racing and, and some time that he spent training with Dave riding in New Zealand and what kind of things we can learn as instructors from from ski racing in general you might hear throughout this interview a few buzzy noises one of us left a one of us left a phone on the table and it sort of vibrated its way through to the microphone so if you hear that don't worry um, and later on in part two there's a there's a phone call where I forgot to turn my um, my phone off so you might hear my phone ring. But uh, um, aside from that, it's a, it's a really, really good interview. So uh, enjoy the first half and uh, I'll catch you in part two. Welcome to the Ski Instructor Podcast, Tom Waddington. How are you? I'm good, thanks, I'm good. Um, it's a bit weird because right now I would have been,
1: I think I would have been in Hintertux finishing off of my uh, last exam. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 strange to not have skied for the last 2 months.
0: It might it's yeah, it has been weird because you run quite a long season here in Verbier. So I should explain to the listener we are in Verbier. Um, we are at Tom's Hotel Guest House. Yeah, BB b yeah. here uh, just opposite the Le sharp lift in Verbier. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, your season was due to run to right, So, Verbier, they run almost an extra week compared to where we would be, so... Yeah, till the 28th, of, of April, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, yeah, we've all missed out on 20% of the season, maybe? I think so, yeah. Something yeah. like that. And, uh, and, yeah, so I've arrived here, parked up. Um, I apologise, by the way, for this haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> yesterday... On the recommendation of one of my ski instructors yeah. last season, he was like, Oh, you yeah, found this brilliant hairdresser, uh, barber. Yeah. You know, it's like a it's sort of styled as a barber, it's a triumph for marketing over talent. Right. It's absolutely like, <laughs> ridiculous. So <laughs> I went to this place in Saint Maurice, like, just down the valley here. Yeah. This guy that went in, you know, it's like an old school barber shop, and I was like, Oh, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. It's literally the worst haircut I've ever oh, had. Look, like, oh, well, no, it looks good. Well no, I've saved it. I've <laughs> saved it. But it is terrible. And, uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm appalled. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just absolutely appalled. But, yeah, yeah, here I am. So don't, like, this is a, it's a recommendation. Do not visit the barbershop in St. Maurice. Thank you. The guy's a cowboy. Um, Listeners, and, Yeah. Up. <laughs> <laughs> now up. Um, now, why don't we, normally we start with, like, a, a potted background of, of the interviewee. Yeah. But let's do it a little bit differently this time. I want to know more about, this place, the Una okay. Lodge opposite the shop, uh, lift station. How, how did all of this come about? It's a, it's a brilliant story you told me, but let's tell it. Well, yeah, this.
1: I think, um, I think being a ski instructor, you, you know, part of it is always trying to add strings to your bow and and, and develop other areas in in your career or learning or whatever. And mm. um, I think with with Una Lodge, because I was a Swiss resident. Um, I, I I was just kinda looking around and, and saw some land here next to the lift in the shop and it um it was a really good price. And mm. I was super surprised that it was next to the lift and a good price. Yeah. And um from then on in that was a, a four year project of building a B and B on the land and yeah. um you know it's been a, a successful business for the last three three winters now. And okay. and summers and summers the summer market's starting to grow.
0: And that that whole project, how, how, I mean, for, how how is your French?
1: Oh, is pas what? mal. Pas <laughs> mal. en oh, français. <good. laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, okay. So, because that, getting big projects done like that in a foreign language. Yeah. We were talking earlier, you know, I have yeah. a hotel also in Moirjan that, that we use for, for groups and stuff and negotiating with people in, in your second language, you know, architects, Engineers I imagine Planners Whatever It's not the easiest thing ever
1: No so, I, I think often With these kind of Projects There are side Benefits That you know You push yourself To do something Out of your comfort zone Yeah And then suddenly I'm having to learn French To speak to the architect To, to speak okay. to the um, The builders and stuff Yeah And and now for example I'm doing the, the Paton For the restaurant industry Which is a six week course oh, really? I'm doing it in June mm-hmm. Um which is actually going to be online. Yeah. Uh, and um, and you know, that's completely in French and the exam is in French. Wow. Uh, so I really have to be working now on my, this is my French grammar book here. Yeah, see on, on it. Yeah. My, on my written, <coughs> written written French and, and yeah.
0: reading French, so yeah.
1: Oh, wow, Yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's really cool. It's nice to go and do these things. I went and sat the, because um, I think now if you renew your permit, you have to have a language test as well. So I went yes. and sat that in Lausanne. Found out what they regard my level of French is, um, which is B1, B1, I think, which I was pretty pleased with. I didn't yeah. do any prep, I just rocked up and did it. Nice. Um, and the, yeah, but it's right, when you come to a foreign country, often it's when you, you chuck yourself into like weird situations or difficult situations is when you learn the most. Mm-hmm. Like going to the mechanic, or something like that, you know, yeah. like you learn stuff. And it's it's cool like it's really really cool yeah exactly and you yeah. have it as a as a like a learning experience i think it's really really nice yeah all right cool and you have so so it's a super location people come here park up you know dump the skis in the ski room or whatever and yeah. and then the the next day they're straight up the lift they' are straight up the lift and and one of the beauties of
1: this is that you can actually skip verbier and go straight on up to the slopes yeah because the lift goes,
0: goes yeah. all the way up so yeah, so, yeah it's, uh, people like that Okay, so three years into this project, yeah. Um, and then, why of the expenses so say what are you juggling that with as well? So your your role on the mountain, you you're still working with Newgen. Yep. So I'm director of of Newgen in in Verbier, so the Swiss, yeah, the Swiss company. I'm mm-hmm. one of the directors,
1: and um, so I'm still juggling that, but it. I've had to step away from the the day to day running that yeah. I did a lot in the past and, and we've got a, a really good management team in now who are doing more, a lot more of that yeah. um, and helping me out on the finance and, and the sales and, and, and looking after the instructors so I can sort of step away from everything and, and make sure that this place is running well and also look, look at the ski school
0: from uh, more of an overview. Okay, hmm. that's kind of where I'm trying to take my role within my ski school. it's the same it's like because you can't you can't do full days on the mountain and operate the ski school at the same time no it can't like it's too difficult there's there's other stuff that you need to kind of think about I mean
1: yeah depending on your side especially if you want to grow it it, it, it becomes really tricky if you are on the mountain
0: and trying to do emails answer phone calls and (laughs) (laughs) I see so many kind of independents who are trying to do that exact thing like they're they're you know, they're in a lesson and they're on the phone trying to sort out something relating to the operational side of their business yeah. and it just, it's not cool. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't have that sort of compromise, I don't think. No. Okay. So your day-to-day, your day-to-day role with, with new gen here in Switzerland is, is then what? Like, so you're not on the mountain teaching. So what, what are you, what are you kind of doing? Uh, what, what sort of stuff are you up involved
1: in well actually i'll i'll have a weekly meeting with the management team mm-hmm. um, i'll be on hand for anything um that they might need any anything important but they have their own job roles and they kind of stick to those those roles mm-hmm. uh, which works really well because when we have our weekly meeting they just report in to me with you know some figures and what's been going on what the plan is for the next week mm-hmm. and and that way works, works well for me because I don't have to get as involved. Yeah. Um, and then I look more as a, as a director at creating new business, what we're doing on, on, on a wider scale, mm. linking to the other new gen, um, results across the Alps, uh, staying in touch with the, you know, the main, the main directors. Yeah. You know, Tom Sachs and right. And, Wright and mm. um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'd see what I do with a ski school. And then on, on second to that, I'm um, nearly all the time in the off-peak coaching with the with the level four program that myself
0: and John Allison uh, run. Okay. Play. Yeah. So we were going <clears> to, <throat> I think that it's worth... Certainly worth talking about, and I think John, I'd love to get a hold of him for, a, for an interview at some point. Oh, I'll, you know, put, in in, I'll put in a good word. Yeah, <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> and get him. He's a busy man, I know. He I is. see. I normally see him. I, well, I see you once a year, and you're always standing somewhere at the bottom of the, the M25 piece in Verbier, and like it's always early season because there's no snow where I yeah. am, and they come around here, and like, I'm always like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. and then so that's my experience of seeing you. But I always see John in Saspay yeah just i always see him like there in november or something yeah october when they open stands of Iranian, i always see him in that cafe yeah like, it's always the same same place same time every it's funny year that. you do see the same, yeah. same people in the same place isn't it Yeah, like it's just seems to how how kind of our our industry works so um yeah so so that's something that we can get onto later because i really want to ask you about sort of the gap and the gap phenomenon yeah you know over the years and, and Certainly, it's hugely popular here in Verbier. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's go into sport background first, because we we have a common friend. Friend, I don't know. Like, do do you remember a guy called Mark Hendry? Yes. Right, he used to teach you yeah, rugby, yeah. right? Yeah, he was a rugby coach of mine. And all That's right. Well, Mark man. Hendry turns out he's now the head of sport at one of the international schools down there. Uh, yeah. The yeah. And um, he said that he saw you or something on social media that day. He was like, "Oh yeah, he's a hell of a skier." I'm like, yeah, don't you know, <laughs> don't look too close. You know, oh. you, you'd be comparing me and him, like You're making me blush, Well, no, well, yeah, well, it's only you know, his words, not mine. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's um, yeah, he says hello, and uh, and like I say, you have a, a sporting background other than just skiing. Like, what was your what was your journey? How did how did you end up getting into skiing? Well, yeah,
1: you know. Um, I definitely was really into sports and a um, bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. Played a lot of rugby, played to an OK level. Hmm. Um, played at university, played squash, um, just all sorts of sports. Really, I, I, I was a loved sports. And, yeah. Um, yeah and. Um, how I got into skiing was actually, my dad was a school teacher. He was a biology teacher All right. at Greenhead College in Huddersfield. And yeah. um, he had just got into going skiing to, up to Scotland okay. and, and Aviemore. And um, so when me and my brother were young, we were like four or five, he used to take us from Yorkshire on a weekend and we used to drive up to, to Aviemore <laughs> To go skiing on, on weekends in the winter. Oh wow! So that's where I learned to ski, you know. I, proper uh, snow, proper snow. Any anyone who's Scottish will be like, yeah, it's proper. Yeah, snow. yeah, got a bit of, <laughs> bit of respect, but yeah, I just remember it being really windy. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's funny. Do you, do you know you know Peter Obviously, every yeah. time every time I see PK, like he's you know I'm I'm convinced he just you know, I get on really well with him. I'm convinced he just regards me as like a southern softy. Because every time it's a bit like nasty outside there yeah. isn't blue skies and stuff. You know, we do meet up, or I call him. He's always on the mountain. Yeah. And I'm like, it's raining. Pick up. Oh, it's, doing? it's tough as people. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, it's nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing. <Yeah. laughs> like he just shrugs off terrible weather. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit blowy today. Oh, okay, mate. Like, you know, it's kind of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I think if you learn up there, you really, really learn to ski, right?
1: Well yeah, you definitely learn how to deal with bad weather and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um and uh yeah, we, we were skiing up there in the in the eighties and um and then my dad started to run the school ski trip. Okay. Yeah. And so as as kids me and my brother were lucky enough to go every year mm. with the school um and, and kinda of get instruction wherever they went and we went to loads of different resorts. Oh, he changed oh, it every year, it it wasn't it? He the same changed place. it every
0: year, yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Because
0: um, schools have struggled with that these days. So I was telling you about the school's business that we are at. Yeah. Like, it's really, really hard these days for schools to change where they go. Yeah. Because they need to do, like, risk assessments. And, you know, they t- in some instances, they need to visit it and stuff. Yeah. So often, they're just stuck in the same cycle of going to the same place. Yeah. Which is great if you own a, a business that, that does that, because it's sort of a repeating clientele but yeah. but like you know I guess in the old days you just changed it and go wherever you want yeah I don't think it was a problem back then I <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no safety or whatever yeah um, oh cool
1: yeah but then we started um, going on family ski holidays um, later on and we, we started going to Latanya in Korsova okay um, and actually that was my first intro to Basie because a guy who run the, a company called Family Friendly Skiing in La Tanya, hmm. uh, Tony McMahon. He was um, he was doing his basey. He was going through his basey at the time, okay. but also running the chalet. Yeah. And he was just as carving skis were coming out, and so he taught me and my brother to carve with these new carving skis. Yeah, yeah. And he just loved skiing, hmm. uh, and he was a massive inspiration to me. And he just took me and my brother out, and we just skied all day for like six days. We'd come back, we'd watch. Ski movies, Blizzard of
0: ours, oh, some of the classics, yeah uh, yeah, we, we were just hooked then on skiing, yeah uh, cool, yeah and then where did that journey take you after that so so did that lead you into kind of the pathway of, of getting Bayesian qualified or, or what, what was where did that go? Yeah, well
1: actually then it was um, you know I went and did my a levels, went to university, got a degree in accounting and economics. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't really ski that much, you know, a few holidays here and there. Um, yeah. And and it was after uni. I didn't really want to be an accountant. And um, <laughs> see that. And uh, my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: although those skills have come in handy now. So I can well running imagine. a business. Yeah. But I have to outsource all of that. Yeah. Because I just yeah. like yeah. I look at numbers. I'm I swear I'm dyslexic for numbers. Yeah. But, like, I just can't do it. I yeah. the, uh, numbers have a certain logic to them. They add up, which is nice. Yeah. But you should have seen me the other day. I was trying to put a cash flow together yeah. for something. I am just, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. like a monkey tapping on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why doesn't this work? Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I, I then thought, right, I'm going to go and do a ski season. And mm. uh, I, I chose to do a, a gap course um, uh, in uh, Maryville. Okay. So I did a New Gen Gap course in Maribel. Uh, You're like a product of the system. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Oh. I am, I am, or? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I absolutely loved it. Mm. And then I suddenly realised, well, actually, I didn't realise this was a career. And, uh, and then I think I spent the next summer looking for some graduate jobs in London. And then uh, I was like, no, I love skiing, I'm going to go for it. And then just booked all my season, went mm. to work for Interski for, for most of the season whilst doing my other exams and, and that was me, that was me hooked into skiing and, and, uh, and going through the system. yeah oh, Wow.
0: And did you always work in Verbier or were you in different places? No, I was I the was system?
1: different places. I did uh, a couple of sort of seasons at Interski in Aosta Valley okay. uh, whilst doing ISAA exams and then I, I went to train with Bass in Morzine, right. Jazz Lam okay. uh, and Kev Mockery. Yeah. And I did a, did a couple of seasons there, getting my level four. Hmm. Uh, and then just before I got my Euro test, I didn't want to put the pressure on too much of basing myself in France. Yeah. And then going for the Euro test while I was living in France. So I took a job with New Gen in, in Verbier. Okay. And then just got the Euro test before the season. Yeah. Which was brilliant because I was full cert. Yeah. I was in Verbier, I loved it in Verbier and, and being with the team and, and teaching, hmm. but also I went to go and do weeks in teen, in Val, in Vallandry, oh, okay. and, and work for different new gen schools
0: around the Alps in, in France, so it was, it was really a oh, cool. good experience, yeah. That's really good, because you're one of the ones that is, I wouldn't say it's quite a rare beast, because I've been telling this to a number of people, people that, that, that maybe I interview or whatever or, or mm. kind of have had this conversation a number of times that there are people now I think it's fair to say and maybe we'll discuss it later when we talk about basic. but but the, the Baysy system is sort of with the Eurotest at the top of it is sort of targeted towards people who want to go and work in France yep. it's, it's just a personal opinion maybe maybe disagree but, the, but there are an increasing number of people who are full cert but are not based or not doing their thing in France. You know, they'll come to a place like Verbier or Zerma, saint Moritz, or yeah. wherever. Because actually Verbier is an incredibly like wealthy place. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of money to be made here during the ski season, so yeah. long ski season as well. Compared to kind of slogging yourself in France for you know in some cases probably less money. Yeah. And that might be the case in the coming years as well.
1: Well certainly I, I think especially with the the now the level four equivalence or so basically if you get your full cert level 4 you can just apply through paperwork to yeah. get to get your Brevet Federal which That's is right, yeah. for the listeners the, the highest sort of qual in in, um, in the Swiss snow sport system but it's equivalence it's not yeah. the actual qual but yeah
0: um, which means you get yeah, the, the, the actual qual <laughs> yeah. really you'll need more than the French verbs but you certainly that, will. I've, <laughs> I've been there and it's not <laughs> easy. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah you're right and, and like say with that that equivalence that goes across I think it's really it's it's also it's a great opportunity for people to go and do that. Yeah and I think ski instructors like
1: it here you know I've worked in France I've worked here and it depends what you're into but I know that here is for me anyway it's a bit more chilled out and and definitely if you get that the good clients that you like they you know it might be long lunches it's it's much more private full days Mm. uh, really good tips yeah and uh, ski yeah. instructors kind of like that and I think <laughs> yeah. sometimes in France it's it's groups and groups and groups and, and, and can be a little bit um, yeah. like uh, a sausage machine
0: a little bit but yeah, uh, yeah don't tell no. <laughs> them <Don't be, don't laughs> <many> <laughs> no it's true like I've heard the stories i can't remember the guy's name but there was a guy who's telling me that uh, he was working in Zermatt he said you know often the the Zermatt ski instructor experience would be go to client's hotel wait for russian client ski literally directly mm-hmm. to lunch restaurant and then mm-hmm. long lunch go home like that yeah. you know, no tuition involved now, i'm sure that's not the majority but there are there is there are certain places in the alps that that, that is that mm-hmm. is the ski instructor experience for some people you yeah. know You're just a sort of glorified guide in effect I, I've heard a lot of people say that glorified guide, and some people
1: are quite against it. Actually, and I mm-hmm. know where ski instructors would. Yeah, I'd i I, teach want, I want to teach. But, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but some people don't
1: mind it, and, no. and I guess if you get a mix and you like all sorts of stuff, then yeah. then that's quite a good thing as well.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm, I'm definitely on the side of I'd rather teach when I'm supposed to be teaching. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm not really a real lunch <laughs> kind of guy to be with you, despite what we were talking about earlier about weight gain during the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so, so we met, I think initially the first time, we met when we were, I was doing some training for the Swiss Snow Sports International Equivalence thing. Yeah. Um, I was super impressed by your, your skiing at that point, but we we had talked kind of extensively, I'm going to, this is going to jump over, I think, a little bit in terms of what, what we're going to talk about in technique, but you said that you'd trained or you'd done a bit of a season or some training, race training with... Like Dave Riding and his crew back when he was, uh, I guess, at Fierce or Euro Cup level. Yeah. What, and and you said that he was working a lot on kind of low speed stuff. That was his thing at that time. Mm. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on what you were trying to do at that time or, or what you were doing and then how that sort of tie up came in place? Yeah, I think it starts further back for me um, because I actually
1: failed in the Euro test quite a few times six, seven, Times I think, mm. um, and the rest of the system I went through quite quickly. But the, the Eurotest was a real challenge for me. Why was that? Were you, in your opinion, were you taking it too early? Yeah, I, I have learned m- enough. I just what was yeah, it I just didn't have enough um, race experience. Um, you know, there's a whole psychological aspect I'd not even considered. I, I'd never really gone around gates, um, and lying so much, and when I I was expecting it to be oh no problem you know I've got my level four tech and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll walk into this and no worries and then you know it was it was hard for me and I had a lot of failures and I, you know I truly believe that actually failure is one of the best things that can happen to people because you learn so much How more learn, from it yeah you learn so much more from it hmm. and uh, you know there's a cricketer, to Sachin Tendulkar who said. Uh, you know, better never stops, mm. and, and back then I, I really liked that phrase because you know one of the best cricketers in the world, and he's just constantly trying to learn. Right, that's yeah. genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you play cricket as a kid as well? I guess you must. Have uh, I'm the only oxman not to really like cricket. Yes. Joe. <laughs> 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 so
0: that's no, yeah. Show. Don't say that too
1: But uh, yeah, so I was like, right, I'm not. You know, I really like racing and I want to get better. And it made me realize there's a whole new, different world out there. Yeah. And, and, and I really liked the coaching element to it, but I didn't know enough. Um, so my idea was then to become a fist racer after I got full cert. And I did a couple of seasons saving up for it, working as a full cert instructor. Mm-hmm. And then I actually went down as an athlete to New Zealand and and as a 30 year old managed to get a fist license uh, and do all the the new zealand fist races uh, the slalom and the the gs and um i ran out of money because i really wanted to do the super g being a being a bit of a bigger lad yeah yeah i think i might have been okay but uh, (laughs) that's where that bolt comes in yeah (laughs) um and so to actually then go and get coaching you know after passing the Euro test and, and tried to get better, yeah, and have a proper race coach there and, and working for three months, um, was absolutely brilliant. And I, I learned so much more about my own skiing, uh, where my faults were, and, and at the same time, Dave Ryden and, and Tristan Glass Davis were down there, mm-hmm. and this was while Dave was still on the Europa Cup, yeah, and um. I managed through Sean Langmuir to get a connection. Oh, cool. I wanted to learn more about coaching, about technique, about everything. And I actually managed to spend a month with them down there, just shadowing Tristan. Amazing. Yeah, Um, and that was brilliant, you know, because I I, I started to learn more, and I was skiing with Dave, we were going to the gym together, because he 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 then had a training partner, Mm and just the amount of knowledge I got from just one month with those guys it yeah. was, was incredible. And um, and actually then the season after, they invited me to come and sort of be an assistant coach in, in SASFA. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they're often yeah. there aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, And we actually started out in in the snow dome in Glasgow and Tristan was on holiday I think. And so I, I had to video Dave every day doing really slow drills. Hmm. In the snow dome, and then we'd go and to the university, the institute of sport in Sterling, mm. and we'd go and do all the sort of really high level fitness testing, um, and it was just incredible to to see that and see what a, a top level athlete goes through. And this was Europa Cup, you know. Yeah. Um, and so then we spent the next two months in SAS and and what was incredible to me was that. Tristan you know instead of just going more, more, more he actually said look you're Europe Cup you're going to break through onto the World Cup but we need to work on that left foot mm-hmm. and he just stripped everything back to sort of fundamentals slow skiing and it was completely tedious you know mm. it was again nope that's not it again nope that's not it it was like three months of that nope you've Messed it up again, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you know, video, video. Yes, that's it. Okay, right. But now we need to do that yeah. on bulletproof ice and faster and faster. And it was amazing because to see that patience from an athlete, but yeah. Also, sort of strong will from a coach not to just change or, or anything. Yeah, I'll give up now. Was yeah. was incredible, and to see an athlete just working for hours a, a day just in slow skiing. You know, one, two drills max, mm. left foot, left foot, left foot. Um, and, you know, by the end of SAS Fe, you know, Dave was starting to put it into his skin mm. And then that's when he broke through onto the World Cup that mm. next season. Amazing. And, uh,
0: and then he's, he's done pretty well since then. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting that because I was watching, what was I watching the other day? I was watching one of those, um, one of Tom's videos, Tom Gelly's videos. He was talking about um, that some skiers are quite different from one side to the other. Yes. He was talking about Manny Feller, I think, in that, yeah. that particular video. And he, you don't, you're, you're, you're right in that respect that when you look at someone, well, you look at Dave Riding, right? You know, he, he's extremely so he's identical on both sides. And that must have come from something that came way back. Mm. You know, there must, be a, there must be a time game or something in, within that that means that that's why you would want to correct that difference yeah. on both sides. Yeah, for or sure. That, it, it, it made him quicker. He was, he was yeah. much
1: faster on his right foot than, in, than his left. So,
0: yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Tell me what you learned during that period because fist racing skiing and ski instructor skiing is different or is it the same I imagine it's no, different. Uh, it, and they're looking for different things for, so what did you discover during that period for me this is one of my
1: <coughs> little things of I'm, I'm lucky to have had, experienced both right mm. and when I see videos online of people comparing sort of what ski instructors do to World Cup athletes when mm. they're on a injected ice <laughs> yes. uh, bulletproof slalom slope yeah you know that with a crazy offset yeah you know i've tried to ski that type of thing and i'll tell you a funny story actually we've all been to albduers right at the start yeah, of the season yeah. so yeah I mean, but albduers is not injected ice you know um and it, <laughs> it when you're looking at the world cup it it's just like almost they're, they're aliens, you know, it's at almost a, a different spot to what we do on nicely-groomed-piste yeah. or, or, or grippy snow. Mm. Um, and I think then to start making technical comparisons of, of that is, is a little bit off because actually when you see the World Cup racers skiing on the grippier snow, it's yeah. much different, looks a lot different to what it looks like when they're skiing, trying to make a gate and the hips have dropped back and, yeah. you know pure athleticism and strength and power often gets them out of situations. And you know, Dave, 73 kilos, squats 190 for, for three, no, no problem, and to see him bounding over yeah. huge hurdles that I can't even jump over <coughs> one, yeah. you know. It, it, it's just a different league and a different level. Mm-hmm. And I, don't get me wrong, there's a lot we can learn from that. And you know, a lot of the instructor systems are based around ski, ski racing and, and the technique in that but mm-hmm. to directly compare or, or to look at that I, I think is you've got to appreciate that, that there is a huge difference between what we do as ski instructors and, and what
0: World Cup or high level mm-hmm. athletes do um, so what does that look like for you like where, where does that where's where's the difference if, we, if we're yeah. talking technique yeah. what what where would you start even to talk about this subject? Okay,
1: I, well, let's give you an example. I think if you look at one of the runs in Verbier, I think one year it froze and maybe a uh, pipe burst, and it was like a glass sheet of ice, mm-hmm. and absolutely nobody could ski down it. Mm. And, and for me, just the difference is what they actually ski on, injected ice with the equipment that they do, mm is so much different. And then you've got to put two races together without making huge mistakes, because if you make a mistake, that's gone. Yeah, bad, yeah. You know? yeah. And it's just, you know, you know what it's like when you ski on bulletproof ice, it is so much different and gives so much more feedback mm. than, than skiing on, on nice, grippy, hero snow. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that, that's key. And then there's the whole strength, power, fitness, Mm. you know, professional athlete type thing. Um, but a funny story, when I was racing in, in New Zealand, um, I only had one pair of prep skis because I could only afford to take one pair down. Um, and so I borrowed someone's to inspect. And uh, I think at um, the time I was going down Big Sky in, 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 in Treble Cone and these inspection skis hadn't been serviced and it was so icy... Yeah. that i literally i couldn't control my skis side slipping and i continued slipping and cra- crashed into the korean team and knocked, knocked them all out. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing so like, what are you doing uh
0: yeah it was uh, yeah pretty when we were skiing together yeah. for that thing we were doing you were on the, the this infamous uh john baptist grange pair yeah Somewhere. Are they really yeah, still around?
1: They're still around. I've kept them as a, uh, yeah, I could never control them. But, they were brutal. Uh, I don't they're think stiff. Dave could either. And that, you know, that's <laughs> he sort of um, lent me them. And uh, they, they were, they were beasts. Yeah. Uh, super stiff and aggressive. Yeah. So yeah. An Slalom ski. Yeah. I made for John Baptiste. And, uh, there's a, there's a yeah. difference.
0: I think there's other levels, isn't there? There's like fist spec, which you can get and probably yeah. your average ski instructor could, could handle those but when you go to World Cup level it's a different world yeah that's just another little addition there you
1: know they're all made for the athletes and they're a lot stiffer in in general everything the boot the ski um, and then when you put that on top of ice it's the forces that you you have to deal with are are, are very very different yeah Um, but yeah that's when I finished in in SAS Fae that's when I think I was I think I was around then, and that's when you came. Um, yeah, it was,
0: it was certainly near that time because right. you were talking about this this whole thing. Which yeah. is, you know, that's why I found it so interesting. Yeah, there, <coughs> I suppose one of the differences, really, that you're looking for between like you know racing and, and ski instructor skiing is that the ski instructor skiing. Generally, you're looking to control speed, right? This this always struck me as the the, the biggest difference between the two. You're controlling speed. Your athlete racer is trying to find speed hmm and so everything becomes different from from that yeah. point right? Yeah. for me um, it's, it's a different mentality you know doing short turns down the pitch up there yep yeah. you know is a question of can I keep control of my speed can I you know finish the turn off sufficiently yeah your average racer isn't looking for that no they're looking for maximum efficiency maximum speed and 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 down, quick down the hill, for sure. And how are you then, when you bring that into your own skiing, because you've done that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you bring that into your own skiing, and I don't think you ski particularly, if I remember rightly from the stuff I've seen, you're not a particularly the easy skier. Yeah. Um, you know, you look like you've got something else in terms of style, and that probably comes from that, that, that racing experience. Is it fair to say? You just do what you need to do. Yeah, I, rather than I
1: think so. I I often think there's a there's a bit of a bad rep of the the Basie skier. I see that as just a misinterpretation of of what you're meant to do as you're going through the the, the ranks, as it were, of of the levels, as in, you know, often. We get this sort of robot idea, or Bayesian robots, or, oh, or whatever. Robot. And so, yeah, I think that's just people not really understanding separation in terms of their own performance and mm. what separation is. Um,
0: well, let's talk about this because the other thing that we haven't mm. we haven't discussed is your role. You're the you're the Basie alpine director. Yeah, it's a great opportunity <laughs> to talk about the robot. Yeah. and you know the criticism that's often levelled at. Beasy skiers in that they're quite robotic oh, compared wow. to our. So this is this is
1: a common misconception here. Well, that goes on. No, as in, as in anyway. Alpine Director. Oh, you're not responsible for that. You're you're thinking about Technical Director, which is actually now Henry Meredith Hardy. Really? Yes.
0: I thought it was a training director. Te- technical training director. Oh, that's a different it, thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, so, I need to get kind an of interview. So, him. yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's, uh, let's my, give your opinion. Views, it and yeah, I'll pitch it to him. but Alpine Director just really means I'm on the board yeah. and I represent the Alpine membership. So all the Alpine oh. members are busy.
0: Okay, yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, didn't know that. Shot me. Down. There you go. <laughs> but I'm still going <laughs> to. I get. Same. I get that a lot. A lot of people come up to me and go, uh, "Can we do? Can we change this
0: in the criteria or yeah. whatever?" I'm like, uh, well, this is all your it's fault Not quite my story. role. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, we, we, it seems like you have an opinion mm-hmm. on it, though. But, so, and, I, and I've, I can't remember who I've talked to about this, various people, people contact me on the back of this podcast. And often they had a really long chat with um, a guy, whose name I've forgotten, sorry, whoever you are. Um, lots of long chats about why lazy skiers look like what they look like. Mm. Especially when you compare it to say, you see enough Really good Swiss skiers up here mm. from you know the various schools or whatever. They look a lot freer compared to their British counterparts. Why? Why do you think that is? Honestly, I I I think it's. It depends
1: on what sort of questions you're asking and what who you're looking at, and and this is often where assumptions are made. And you know I've done the PSIA system mm-hmm. been down in NZ working for rookies and I've worked with you know a lot of the, the Japanese and, and uh, I've done the Swiss system and been a race coach and for me good skiing is good skiing and you can see if someone can bend the ski mm. and be athletic and dynamic and if you can bend the ski you can work it you can carve it and, and, and for me that's good skiing yeah. You know? And there are certain ways to achieve that. And all of these systems have their ways. Mm. But when you look at the, the best in these systems, you know, you look at the Swiss and they're absolutely incredible in the demo team. Mm. Right? But
0: they have a actually, big pool of excellent skiers to of choose. Course, you from. know, a lot of those guys are ex World Cups, right? I mean,
1: they're ex world cup, yeah. and they're, they're essentially a pro demo team, yeah. you know. And but when you actually look at the skiing, you know, it, it depends what you mean, because it's their legs that move a lot, mm. right? But they, for me, are, are pretty separated. And mm. it, and maybe they move a bit more with the arms, but actually, it depends what you look at in terms of the shoulder joint, the rib cage, and what's moving. And when you see the best Swiss skiers and the best from different um, mm. systems, I think... What you see is that it's the ability of the lower joints to move really well, mm. and to then just balance on top. Yeah. And the misinterpretation comes in, in all systems lower down, as to oh the Swiss are a bit freer. So I'm you know I see so many skiers here like you know swinging around on yeah, style yeah, skis yeah. and yeah. and the rib cage is turning everywhere and yeah. you know and and they're popping up and down. Yeah right because they see the Swiss but actually when you see at Interski you see they're not popping up and down you know they're just moving really laterally mm. and so it for me it all comes down to experience if you're an X racer or have you just come up through the system mm.
0: you know the, there are a lot of differences there in what you see as the end product it's true I think if you've been and I've, I've said this to a few people and I, sorry listener, if I'm repeating myself but if you were brought up here say little I don't know Jean-Claude who lives in yeah, skis for the ski club he's been doing that every Saturday and Wednesday since since he was six he's going to ski in that sort of racer style he's going to have that sort of base of technique Mm. if you're with respect I'm just pulling this out of mind Butt, right? Yeah. But right um, but if you're 30 years old and you've had a career change and you used to be I don't know an accountant or something yeah you're probably going to end up with a slightly different style because little Jean-Claude is, is, his mentality is i just got to do what I've got to do to mm-hmm. get through this GS course mm-hmm. whereas you know as you come to it later on in life or this is and a lot, I think, the the, the Bayesian system is designed to cater, I think, a little bit for people like that. People who want to take a qualification, but they come to it as an adult, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 the temptation is to say, "Oh, okay, well, that's, I see a picture of what I think this should look like. Mm. I see pictures in books. So that's what I'm going to look like. And maybe that's where oh, for that, sure. that tag comes from. For sure. I think it's, you know,
1: I think I Drake talked about in your previous podcast of the golden nuggets thing. Mm. Often, if you haven't come from a background of skiing, mm. you know, and that a lot of these systems are, they're upside down pyramid, we need to attract holiday skiers. Yeah. And then from the holiday skiers, we need to sort of be able to teach them all of the skills. Yeah. And, and what happens with the learning process is actually, people will just want to focus in on, right, so and so has told me that I need to keep my upper body still because that's going to help my separation, you know. Mm. And they, because they've got so much to learn, <laughs> yeah, and the, the body doesn't know what's going on, unlike yeah. John Claude from Bruce on, who's just done it, yeah, you know, he's just done it all. He doesn't realize he's learning either, no, exactly. He doesn't realize problem, if, like, if, if yeah. someone asks him to change an output or turn shape, he just does it mm. and he. he, he, he separates or does whatever accordingly yeah. to what he needs to do but actually when it's ex-accountant career change coming in they, you know they might really focus in on some specific points and say I have to do this to be a good skier you know yeah. for example I hate the shoulders down the hill thing oh. you know it's just such a cliche sort of shoulders down the hill yeah. you know and that just makes people for me sort of they separate from the sternum, yeah, and then all the the rest, the hips, everything else, the, the a lot of the the spine is just turning underneath, yeah. yeah, and they say so fixed, right? But they're not seeing. Well, where do we separate and what joints for what turn shape for what conditions? Mm. And and all of that is just the learning process. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's a hard, but if if we had the opportunity to redesign it, or. I don't think we could do it in a different way unless there were significant numbers of, like, how would you redo the British way? Because it's kind of designed for exactly its purpose, which is getting people in at, say, one, two level yeah. who want to take a, a qualification, yeah. but they might be based in a snow dome and it's not, there, it's not going to be their life. I, I think know. here it's life. That's the, yeah. that's the difference, right? You see these little guys going and grab, you know, millions of them. Mm-hmm. Ski club Brusel, ski club Verbier. They just they go up there. The pyramid's huge. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, it
1: it's great that we have this because and a lot of nations who you know flatland nations, whatever, who don't have mountains, mm. um, they have to learn in different ways and, and capture the market in different ways and introduce people to skiing in different ways and. And I don't think there is really a way you can, you can change. You know? For me, it needs to be a skills-based approach. Mm. I think I do like the idea of being a little bit more prescriptive in some stuff. You know, For example, I really like some of the Swiss stuff that they do because they have a, real, they have a mix, right? They have a free run, yeah. let's say, in, in, in a test where you've got to do four turn shapes at a switch. You've got to go into, yeah. back into forward you you've then got to do different turn and that's a free run and and you are sort of judged and marked on that and then they have the the corridor thing that i think we did a little bit in south which is for me a, a fantastic
0: test of a ski instructor it's got everything yeah yeah the free run also i think i love i love the idea yeah. of that you know it's um yeah that that for me is probably they would be the things i think that i would I would chuck into to basic things that that sort of promote agility. Yeah, for a sure a bit more because I that think. really then separates those who can move from, you know, it would get away from this kind of uh, robot tag. I, I think, but they got all sorts of weird stuff in mm-hmm. this in in the Swiss final instructor exactly it's got a long jump in it. Yeah, yeah. Like there's freestyle in it, which you think is yeah is definitely something that needs to be you know it's hugely important to the people that come to ski yeah I think
1: you're right it's something we're really working on now it's a project within Basie that we're wanting to get back into Basie and yeah. I really like the Swiss progression of how they do it it's not not too you know you don't have to be doing double backflips no whatever. no it's, it's just a steady progression and uh,
0: I, I you know I think that, that stuff is, is great yeah you can get five out of six for a Cossack really for a red kicker Oh, nice! Yeah, that's, that's from proper old school trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't spin very well, but I can bust out of the <laughs> old school. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Uh, how, how long have you been Alpine director? Uh, two years. Enjoying it? Yeah, it's it's uh, I am. It's it's been a challenge.
1: I'm I'm really happy. I took on. Oh, oh! Now we're all right. All right, sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's been a real challenge, but um, I, it's been a learning experience, um, and you know, putting a lot of free time. It's not a paid role. It's um, paid? what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, another classic question is, oh, how much are you get paid? No, gymnast. Yeah. This man is paid more. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all of the board role apart from the chairman, which is a, a small fee, but mm. it it is. Um, yeah, it's voluntary. And we represent our respective memberships, you know, Nordic, Telmark, yeah. um and, and Alpine Adaptive. And... Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: Yeah, so and it's been a lot of work. Yeah. Um, because to be honest, going on to the board, and, and it was quite a new board with a few of the older members in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just felt there was a, a real culture of acceptance in there. And I, I was almost to be told, this is the strategy, yeah. this is the budget, you just say yes. And I felt that all the, a lot of the previous boards had just been sort of, yes, yes, we'll agree to that. And actually, the first time, you know, the reason why I got into this is for the membership. Mm. And it is to truly... Benefit the membership and give back to the membership, and I didn't believe that the membership were getting enough. And and actually, yeah, you know, and 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 this was the first time that the board said, "Well, no, we don't agree to that budget," and we don't agree to a lot of things, and we need to actually make a change
0: of what's been going on. I got that feeling from that very first webinar, which I think is really really good, and I have to say I've. I put myself forward to be on one of your working committees, or, you know, something yeah. or other to do with communication maybe. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of motivated me a little bit to get more involved because it's all very well kind of sitting on the sidelines and sniping, mm-hmm. right? And going, oh, it's this, it's that. Oh, I mean, you, you know, you know, know is like full but. of sort of bitter snipers, you know, yeah. keyboard warriors, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And, and unless you really chuck your hat in the ring and tr- you know and go and see for yourself what it's like from the inside. Exactly. You can't make that judgement really, can you? No. Um, so Fit, play no. to you for, for, for what you're doing. No,
1: you know, and we're, we're doing a lot of things. As you see the Protect Our Winters webinar you... last night and now we've got a new carbon literacy CPD course that you can do. Um, you know, there's some really positive stuff going on in Bayesley. If we hadn't Sort of reduced a lot of the staff wages mm. um, and moved a lot of our processes online. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Tom Cloak, who's come in, who works with a lot of different um, businesses, sporting organizations, he's also a Bayzy member. Mm. He's come in to help the transition from, from the old CEO and, and just help Bayzy out with his experience. And he's been absolutely fantastic. You know, mm. he has, you know, he's moved stuff. A lot of our IT systems we've realized are inefficient, costing a fortune. Um, if we hadn't done a lot of the stuff that we had done, we wouldn't have been able to operate with COVID. in, yeah. You know, yeah. and we've essentially, we've been operating, um, you know, for the last six, seven, eight weeks from, from online. Yeah. Whereas before, we, yeah. you know, we've got a big office, big staff costs. And we and, and really, to be competitive in this modern market, a lot of other organizations do, do not have a lot of staff and, and big wages. And it doesn't need to be that way, does it? No. Okay. But
0: I think it's the nature of organizations. So organizations grow. You've probably been in and around enough of them to see this, right? Organizations grow, they, they get, we see it enough with big corporates clients that, that we see you know mm. the guys down by the lake and stuff they go through periods where they just take on overhead and then you know it reaches a peak where there's like loads of people just kicking around in the organization doing not very much and then they have to be cut away so a new guy comes in and he's the the cost cutting CEO mm. and it's just how it is it's the nature of cycles exactly and I think
1: I heard a good thing the other day a good test of a business is if you were to shut it down today Mm. And restart everything from scratch. Would you be the same? Would you start everything the same? Yeah. And if you ask that question to Basie,
0: certainly not. No. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah You could think of a million. Well, that that's why, why, I was showing you earlier this little chart that I'm doing. You know, I do this annually. Yeah. This this kind of idea of of uh, and listen you can't see this, but it's um it's a it's essentially a picture of my ski school and and i'm trying to i'm trying to go down the road of just using this time this, this shut down covid time to not sort of reinvent but just critically look at all aspects of the business yeah and say could this be done differently is there anything that i can do and as i said to you earlier i found three mm-hmm. things that somebody else should be doing that i shouldn't be doing and why would i you know like i my my time is better spent elsewhere yeah. I'm, I'm better spent Doing relationship management or you know taking mark for a beer or whatever yeah you know that kind of stuff is is more important to the business than me sitting there filling in the spreadsheet for montan pro or whatever yeah like i don't need to do that someone else could do that and you've got to you've got to be harsh and critical when you're reviewing these kind of things and i guess the same thing is is what you are as a group now doing with basie yeah it we're making hard decisions which people don't
1: like you know, right. it's hard decisions that are essentially gonna turn busy around Mm. we're gonna be able to save more money we're gonna be able to give more back to the members we're gonna be able to run more digital stuff we're gonna do more YouTube videos we're gonna do more marketing we're gonna all the stuff that members want and you know cheaper courses instead of putting course prices up which was in the old budget you know it's it's stuff Mm. like that that we really want to give back to the membership by and, and, and this uh, COVID thing has been a real wake-up call because actually we don't need a lot of the stuff. And it's just, mm. we had processes that we wanted to do in a time plan, but this has just completely accelerated it. Yeah. You know? yeah, and yeah. I think that it will be a learning process for lots of businesses.
0: Mm. I hope, really hope that you enjoyed the, uh, the first half of this interview um, with Tom, um, the bit that I'm always amazed to hear when whenever I kind of get close to anyone who's raced with anyone at a decent level is just how different um, you know alpine ski racing is from from the sort of type of turns that we make as ski instructors on a daily basis. You know, it's a completely different different animal. Um, now, in part two, we carry on and we talk about something that that you see often in, in Verbier and some of the other European resorts, which is the you know, something called the gap year, the gap year phenomenon. And that is um, you know that's what what a lot of students do between the the end of their sort of formal schooling and going to university. Um, so we talk about that um, and the guys that sort of come out to be ski instructors for, for, for a winter season. We go on to talk about parallels between rugby and skiing and um and and sort of sports people as learners in general and uh and then we talk about a sort of higher level training program that that tom has running in uh in in Verbier, and uh we finish off with just some Verbier history and a little video series called grip and grip that tom and his friend john did um over the last couple of seasons so enjoy the second half um i've got loads of interviews lined up over the next few months And I'm hoping to travel to some other places To get some skiing in and meet some people So um, there should be content coming for you over the summer And, uh, and I really, really en- I hope that you enjoy The second half of, of, um, uh, of this interview um, Look after yourselves And uh, I'll catch you on the next one um, So let me Let's switch the subject a little bit um, not too much because it's still kind of Bayesian related. The, the, whenever I come to Verbier, quite critical of Verbier. <laughs> I am, no, it's not my scene. It's just too big. Um, feels like a big city to me, you know, yeah. but that's what happens when you live halfway up a mountain, <laughs> but, um, I see, I see many ski schools running gap years. Mm-hmm. Now for those, we've got a lot of US listeners on here, I don't know whether they do gap years, I'm not sure what that, that, that looks like for them, but so the, the thing is, is that a gap year is you finish your regular schooling here at say 18 years old, you take a year out between that schooling and when university starts. So you don't start that immediate September. You take a year out, you travel the world, you go up Machu Picchu or whatever. and, yep. and Or the other alternative is you come to Verbier and you learn how to be a ski instructor for the season. Yep. And almost every ski school up here, no, that's not fair to say, a lot of ski schools up here have a sort of gap student program, sometimes two a winter, as yep. I understand it. Yep. And it's really quite the phenomenon here. It's not, wouldn't say it's the same elsewhere, certainly in some of the other centers in the Alps. Some, there are some in France, it's certainly a Maybe bit of Val- a center in Val d'Azur. Val something similar. Yeah, but it's a real, it's a really niche and quite a unique thing, I think, to the British market actually. Yeah. Um, and you're right in the, the, the middle of it, because the new gen gap is one of the the, the ones that I see the most people on, on yep. those courses. You've got quite the, the, the the machine of, of kind of getting those people in and having it. Um, how did that all come about and, and how, does it, how does it run? You know, what's the, what's the deal behind it? Well, I think <clears throat> a lot of Gap courses, you know,
1: they came into Bayesian. It was a great way to attract new people and, and to, a, to a new career, hmm. you know, and especially for those people who have got a year out, you know, it just became a product. Hmm. Um, and it, when you package it all up, it's, you know it's a little expensive, but I think what you get out of it in the end, you know, you, you're a qualified instructor, you you're doing something constructive with your time, hmm. right, and and, um, and and learning a lot. So gap products are, are essentially really good, and they then obviously became popular. I think they provide great work for your instructors in your school, Mm. especially in the off-peak times, um, because it's going more into the coaching, you get to ski at a higher level, um, that kind of thing. Um, And so they work well for ski schools in the fact that it provides more job satisfaction for for the more experienced instructors who want to get into that, that might provide other career opportunities in becoming examiners for example um, mm. and then those, those actual GAP students may want to car- carry on as well and they may become instructors which definitely for different schools in Burby that, that happens every year mm. pretty much you know and they, they pr- then some
0: even progress through the system and, and, and become
1: sort of career instructors.
0: What's the, the, do you have any stats on like how many actually make a career out of uh, there are stats, yes. I don't
1: have them to hand. I I wouldn't offer top of your head ten percent maybe. Mm. Um, I would say just because if you look in your average gap numbers, a ten a course and in Derby mm. there's probably seven courses running. You know, seventy people mm. plus probably even more with some other systems and mm. double gap courses running. So and a lot of them it's just an in between before university or, or getting a job yeah and, yeah. and, and so yeah I'd, I'd reckon about
0: 10% huh. uh, the reason I say that is because that was kind of my experience so I'm, I'm a gap course product I'm a, I'm a course of the, oh. uh, the Warren Smith Ski Academy nice. summer gap back, cool. back, back in the day which was fun uh, and it was like you say it's everything that you said it was it was a learning experience but I wasn't I didn't I was the 30 year old accountant changing changing yeah. career thing. So, um, for me, it was a little bit of a different experience because I came into it with a view to this is what I want to do longer term. It's not going, I'm not doing this just because, whatever. And there were a lot of kids on that course who were doing it just between, you know, and I was the only one that's really gone on to do anything out of that particular group yeah. that's ever gone on to be. So, that would be, you know, around the 10% yeah. mark of what they were doing. Um, I don't know if they still do a, gap, a winter gap. Those guys. I don't know. I think they knocked it on the head. No, they do. Yeah, oh, they do. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a few. So that's where do they all stay? You've like seventy of them kicking around Burby's. Uh
1: Yes, but that's what makes Verbe quite fun, I think, because you you you're here. Verbe is a party town. You're with a lot of other people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. And and it's it's a challenge for for coaches because you know you get. Blurry-eyed students in the morning, every morning, uh, and they, yeah. they don't seem to listen or, or, or want to learn. In some cases, um, but I think, uh, yeah, a lot of gap courses package accommodation up. Oh, okay. so it's it's everything. It's it's food, accommodation, training courses. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And, and generally that's a 10-week course in a season yeah and i guess the beauty of Verbier is that if that course is maybe starts in december yeah then if you get your level two by the end of it there are a lot of ski schools who need instructors and and, and you might get one two weeks working and in, or if you're really good
0: uh, you, you know might be working for the next rest of the season yeah the rest of your life yeah uh, well, no, you do see that around, I, I, I have to say, I, I spent my, my time on Les Ezzaires and, uh, and um, there's a lot of kind of what looks like gap students there who were teaching kind of uh, that period when I was te- I don't go to Les Ezzaires very often, yeah. but, um, but the, that was, yeah, that was quite interesting to see see a lot of those guys who were kind of obviously gabbies like, you know, doing their thing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose if you get them started early enough, early December maybe... They can be ready with a level two by the time you get to February half time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, yeah. Within the bays, anyway, you know they can't teach until they get the level two.
1: Yeah. But, you know, with the shadowing and the level one and mm. a lot of the stuff they do, they you know if it's I, I you know, I have this thing a little bit in Verbier is that sometimes you know at at that level you you should be really with beginners yeah right? and, and, and in beginner areas and often in verbi at the busy times especially it's not such the case and you, you do often see inexperienced instructors in mm. uh, all over the mountain yeah um, w- with clients and and I think sometimes that can be a little bit dangerous it, it, you know it, it's not that beneficial for the client mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah that that is I would say uh a bit of a thing about verbia.
0: It's a tricky, I think it's a tricky thing sometimes because there comes that period, we've, we've all been there, right, and you'll see this when your you're, bookings come in and you're, you're sitting there looking at half term thinking, crikey, like, how are we going to fill all of this? You've just got so much kind of going on. Yeah. The temptation is, I think, and it certainly happens, you see it, especially among some of the ski schools around, around our area, they will literally put a jacket on anyone, inexperienced or not. <coughs> that's, oops, um, that's that's one of the that's one of the the, the the issues that I have with the current setup here in Canton Valley is that you have that little proportion that you're allowed to employ within ski schools. You can employ people with no no qualifications whatsoever. Yeah. It's almost like the dirty little secret of the yeah. Ballet. Not many people know that. You no, know? It,
1: it, it, you just need to be part of a ski school and do the the induction week. Yeah,
0: know? yeah. Which is which is poor, and you see that. So you see that, especially at high season, you see people kind of skiing around in jackets. Yeah, you're like, I can, I'm watching you ski. You're not a ski instructor. Yeah, you don't have what it takes. Yeah, and I'm that that really annoys me in many ways because we. Actually, no. I let the market take care of that. You know, the market forces take care of that. But yeah. the, you know, I will not put our clients in that position yeah. with 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 unqualified people. But some some ski schools have no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah. And you know, parents will then come and give their kids over their precious kids yeah. over to you know some little kid who you know is barely older than the kids that they're yeah. teaching. And and they're in a collective lessons all weekend. I'm just like, I will not sell you that product. Like it's just so good. I think you're right that you know the market forces do take care
1: of it a little bit, but in a, in another respect, with skiing being such an open sport, mm. you know, for example, you put your your kid went to a tennis coach and the tennis coach couldn't even hit the ball back over the net. Mm. You know, you probably want to look a, a different tennis coach. But skiing is quite an open sport, and the way that we sort of judge what is a good skier is so varied, yeah, uh, yeah. right, and so subjective. And yeah, so. I, I often feel sorry for the client who's paid a lot of money for, for someone with little experience or in the wrong wrong area, mm. um, for sure.
0: Yeah, and the, 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 the funny thing about that is that there's no real way of of the client sort of knowing that. You know, like for the client's like, what does a good skier look like? Often they don't know. Mm. You know, what does a good ski instructor look like? Mm. Don't really know. And you know, you, you sign up for your thing You sign up for your, you put your kid in a collective lesson or whatever. You don't get to find out who's teaching your kid necessarily until you're there. And then, you know, you meet at the bottom of the lift, give little Johnny over, and he's off up the lift. You don't know what that guy ski's like, you have no idea. No. Um, It's really strange that. It's something I've been thinking a lot about with regards to, you know, how we do that. You know, the way I do that at my ski school is that everyone is qualified. Often, in fact, the case will be probably in a year or two's time. The minimum we will employ is like ISA level people. I reckon we're not far away from that. Yeah. And that's something that I guess you can put on your branding. I don't know whether the clients care about it or not, but we, like that's what we do. But
1: what we found is actually no one really knows what that means. No. You know because how we look at skiing is what level uh, run can you ski? Oh, I can ski a black run. I'm I'm, I'm expert. Mm. No, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one and no, it, how we communicate that yeah exactly because it's really interesting that going back to Gap that is often the criteria for most Gap people to come on a course is can you ski the whole mountain Yeah. can you ski a black run and everyone goes yeah yeah I ski it really fast I can you know I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll come on that Gap course and often you get on the Gap courses it, it's, it's a real hard job in 10 weeks because people don't really know what skiing is that that, that is good, mm. and they've just they think they're really good because they can go fast and straight and skid sideways a lot yeah down, down a black run yeah or just about make it down somewhere, and actually when they start to learn about you know how to turn and, and um, how to ski moguls for example, suddenly they're like oh wow' there's,
0: there's quite a lot to this I yeah. think gap push are one of the hardest things because you've got like you've only really got a short... Let's say your average gap course is eight to ten weeks long. Two yeah. weeks of that is the level two basic course if you're going down that road. One week of that is the basic one course. They leave seven weeks. Yeah. Presumably there's some other stuff in there that, that they put in, maybe some mountain safety stuff, I don't know, whatever. But there's not a great deal of time to break down existing bad movement patterns and then build it up into something... Like that looks a little bit more skin structure-y, really. No habits hard to break. No, in that it, it, you've got a lot of habits to break. You've got a lot of
1: perceptions to break, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it can be really challenging.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I can well imagine. Yeah. I can well, imagine. Um, okay, now, uh, and and does that does the gap phenomenon course, Does it so show any sign of like numbers up, down? Like, is it showing any sign of kind of going away, or is it? Is it? Is it's definitely steady stream.
1: It's not as popular as it, it as it was, you know, ten years ago. It, it it's shown a bit of a decline, I would say. Um, I I I don't know the figures, but certainly the last few years with outside forces and Brexit mm. and um, you know now, COVID. It's just. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a, a big step and a, quite a lot of money, mm. um, for for people. So yeah. I think there has been a a bit of a downturn, um, and then you get a lot of really big gap providers, mm. that are the ones that do all gap across the world. Yeah. Okay, so they're specialist big gap companies, um, so sometimes competing against
0: those companies can be quite hard, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power of marketing, I guess. Yeah. It's all about, yeah, yeah, okay. How do you, <laughs> this is an off topic question, well it's not <laughs> necessarily, it's actually hard. but how do you separate, because presumably when you do your gap, you get some sort of, does a does ski, instructor, ski instructor jacket come with it? No. Uh, I was going to ask you how do you separate in the bars <laughs> like who's yeah. who's a proper pro and no, who's a gap
1: <laughs> I think I think we learned that early on from uh, from gap courses that a lot of people have that uh, people have been got caught in trouble and said this is an instructor, but it's actually not so yeah, right. most of our all of our branding they do actually get a, a sort of jacket and stuff but it's it's all like a
0: training disc- discreet yes yeah so when they're caught at like 2 in the morning and Exactly, ago. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it orange or was it... Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you... Um, okay, I was going to ask you with regard... You know, i am just can jump you back all the way to other sports. Yeah. Did, what? You played a lot of sports as a kid. Yeah. Was, is it fair to say rugby was your, your big one? Yeah. Are there any crossovers between rugby and... Ski. I think, yeah, it's just that
1: general appreciation of how to learn a skill, okay. and and that that's so important, um, because if you're used to learning a skill, especially something that involves coordination, proprioception, um, then you understand the time constraint on it. You understand that it's not just gonna change from one bit of feedback. You know, you understand you need to put effort in. Mm. And when you've done that, then you find that sporting people, when you're teaching them or coaching them to ski, just seem to be able to, oh, right, I get it, I'm just gonna go and do it. Yeah, they're quite coachable. Yes, exactly. I think that's a big aspect of sport that, that you certainly is an advantage when you' maybe taking up a, a newer sport. Um, and then on, on, on top of that, you get all the benefits of you, know, like rugby's, a lot of lateral movement, forward movement, a lot of strength, the power stuff, mm. you know, coordination with the ball, hand eye, but all that kind of stuff is, is of course, beneficial to, to skiing. Yeah, I would say, it, you know, there
0: are there are always exceptions in this stuff, um, but in general, that's that's what you see. We should explain to our American listeners that rugby's like a version of American football, but better. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that grenade in there yeah. and walk away. um? What position did you play?
1: Uh, I played six um, in rugby
0: union and prop forward in rugby league. Rugby league, Ireland. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Six in rugby union, so that's the guy who's like just scrabbling and fighting for the ball. Yeah, side flanker, a lot of tackling. Um, But presumably there is, so you're right, in rugby there's a lot of kind of go forward move, like, you know, that's the object of the game, right? You can carry the ball or or take yourself forward. But there is a lot of lateral stepping to evade tackles or to confuse the opponent as to regards to what your intentions are, right? Yeah. And I suppose that then, I like say, said, does that, how does that manifest itself? You, you, do you, I'm trying to think how, how it would work, what, what am I thinking about here? Well, I'm trying to think, when you're stepping off of one foot to change direction, do you end up, how does that work when you're physically moving, you know, running? Yeah. Are you inclined? Do you separate yeah. or does it depend on what you're doing? I think if you go in
1: one way and then you need to go the other way just like in skiing if you go off one side mm. you you need to have some sort of balance with, with your upper body and and often you know you see the, someone side stepping and the, the foot is outside and you see it in, in the animal world as well and everything is that if something is displaced mm. and uh, you know you need to balance on that thing mm. you know depending on what levers you've got and but a rugby side step would be, you know, you've gone lateral and you need to move in a different direction mm. um, and, and you need to find the most efficient way to do that. It's interesting. Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't say there's massive correlation between rugby and skiing. It's more about knowing how to learn a sport and then taking that into dry land training, um, being physical enough being strong and, and, and fit enough because mm. um, I also think that's a big thing with clients and, and ski instructors in a way is that skiing is often seen as a leisure activity mm. right and, and I don't know about you but often can get a lot of unfit people in skiing yeah. who just come for a holiday yeah. and they don't really play any sports and they're maybe a little overweight um, and yeah. you know if they can't stand up off the floor then you know
0: you're generally in trouble, right? <laughs> One of the biggest things I notice, sorry to the people from the UK, I was just about to insult you with a big gen- generality, but the, big, the biggest thing that I notice with the, the, the clients that come from the UK is that many of them, and, and it's especially bad with kids, some kids, not all kids, but some kids, they are very, very weak here in the middle of their body, in their core. Yeah, Really weak, like floppy almost. You're trying to pick up, yeah. You know, especially when you, you let's say you you try to pick up, even expat Swiss kids, like kids that are here, whatever. They, they, it seems to me they're more sporty somehow. You pick them up off the floor, and they're they're strong enough to get up. You pick up some kids from the UK, and there's only some. It's not all, but some. It's like picking up like a wet rag. Yeah. I don't really get it. Like I don't, I don't understand what the difference is between the two countries. I, I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time in the UK. For really? a long time, and and I don't understand. Maybe there's there's an issue with sport at school or something like that. But it's <laughs> I, I couldn't I comment know.
1: on that. I don't I don't know really. You're being diplomatic. Mo- no, I just I, I don't <laughs> Just know don't much. pick many kids. Up. Uh, yeah, I don't. I actually don't. i just sort of train other instructors mostly these days. Yeah, it's something I've really
0: noticed is that there's, a, there's a real sort of floppiness in some of the the modern youth. Right. And it's too much computer games. I don't know. I don't wanna be that guy though. I don't wanna be that old because that's when you know you're a year old, right? Like, oh you kids all we do is play computer games. <laughs> True. True. But, but yeah, there's something something strange about that for sure. Um alright, well what we've been going quite a long time now. And or at least now and a bit in. Yeah. You've got a bunch of other notes written down there. Did, is there anything that you wanna talk about? Um, I think just a little bit about you know, working
1: with John and our Level 4 program and then working, training instructors at a higher level, I think. Um, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. If you want to. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically what we do in Verbi, we run a, a season-round periodized training program mm. that is kind of aimed at people who want to get their final cert. Yeah. You know, it's mainly busy. We don't, we don't say it's busy. We just
0: say that it's, we will help you to get your, become better at skiing. Become Because generally level four skiing is level four skiing. Yeah. Irrespective of what system you're training. We for. help you to be a better performer at skiing to yeah. help you pass whatever exam you need to pass. No, that's cool. Yeah. Because John is qualified in a number of areas, isn't he? He is. He's, he's Swedish ex-racer and yeah. he is,
1: um... He, he went to NZ, he went to Argentina for NZSIA and he's NZ qualified he's Canadian qualified and he is a basic trainer He's been all around collecting tickets he, He's been around <laughs> yeah 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 um, and I, I really love working with him because he has so much experience and a really nice way to look at coaching and, and skiing hmm. and also a, a brilliant skier um, you know, and I I think we work quite well together in our in our coaching and our program, mm. um, which is, you know, we do pretty much ten weeks of training in the off peak in in Verbier, um, and this year we had three groups. Okay. And we who trains the who trains the third group? We split that so it, it's we can do. One week it's team C, one week it's team B, one week it's oh, okay. both together. Yeah. 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 Um, because we actually, one of the programs will go for um, the exams that are in March in Verbier. Yeah. And then the other one will go to the end of season exams, so oh, we, we can play around yeah. with, with dates. Okay. Um, but I think what I learned from working with Dave and Tristan and, and is that we try to put that program into being more of an athlete type program as much as we can, that yeah. it's periodized and that at the start we, we try to break down a lot of the funk that comes in. Often ski instructors who are at sort of level three mm. they have managed to hit criteria but just about hit criteria with, with not that functional yeah. movements. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, and and what we do is we strip that right back, and, and we work on the fundamentals. We work on really slow skiing. We work on getting the basics right of what you need. And we take two three weeks of doing that. It's really frustrating for mm. for the learners in doing it every day. Yeah. And and something we found is that actually being a good coach is not changing. It's not it's not saying oh you're getting bored now let's go mm. go powder skiing. It's you no. Know, we're sticking at this we keep doing it and we will see when it comes to February after February you're starting to change your skiing mm. and that's when we do in January we start to do more brushes we do some more of the Swiss corridors mm. we do some, some gates and stuff and, and then as it comes into the March nearer to the exams we start to ramp everything up and what we see normally then is the, the fundamentals we get rid of a lot of the the junk sort of stuff yeah, and the bad habits yeah, and we see that people are able to perform a lot better at a higher level. Huh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. And like, is that, when did you start running that? Oh, six years ago. No, oh, really? I think. No, maybe five years ago. Five years okay. ago. Yeah. And you have, how many, how many students say so you were running through that each um, year? Roughly. This year, Around
1: sort of 1920, I think, and okay. some are come in and out, they're yeah. working for different schools, and they, they don't do a full program, and then some are there for the full program, etc. So it's not just in house new gen, we, we have another team made up of other instructors from different schools, yeah. Um, so it, it's really fun for us, it's, it's, it's an awesome job, and yeah, I was gonna say that's the dream, right? I think you said earlier, you know, we, we often get a lot of stick for. Standing at the bottom of the, the M25, and
0: um, no, I said that's where I saw you. <laughs> I mean, I, next year when I do see you there, yeah. I can give you some stick about it if you want. But we do that, and we do that at the end because
1: essentially what, what you need, and we try to teach our trainees to not be feedback junkies, and essentially what you need in those stages is just practice yeah. and, and their own feelings, and, and you're able to.
0: Step out more as a coach, mm. and and step in when you need to. Um, I've been reading a book that lately to do with motorcycle technique. Sorry, listener, motorcycle chat again. <laughs> um, but and motorcycle technique is is very strange. I'm trying to get my head around. This book was telling me about motorcycle technique. which is actually it's almost it's different, very different, but in some ways similar to ski technique. Um, it's more towards getting towards the inside rather than the outside. Um, but there is an element towards getting to the inside where also in terms of sort of looking with your head and your shoulders yeah. and whatever, but there's yeah. also an element of trying to get your elbow lower than your wrist. Yeah. Which actually, if you, you sort of think about that in terms of skiing, it's almost like the breaking of the inside leg yep. to promote, um, you're looking at my sunburn, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, yeah, yeah, but anyway, what that book said was um, the purpose of a teacher is like quoting Zen Buddhism or whatever. Mm. Um, so, the purpose of the teacher is to get rid of the teacher.
2: Yeah.
0: Just get yourself Perfect. out of the way. Yeah. Boom. You know, he's there and he, yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's some deep stuff right there for the, for the end of the podcast. Where can, uh, at the end, I always say to people, where can, we, where can people find you if they need you? Where, where can, no, wait. We haven't talked about rip and grip. Oh, yes. Last one. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, let's do it. Um, last year, you put out quite a cool little video series. Some of it was you and John ripping turns. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's all right. It's better than I could do. Um, but and, and I also found the interviews you did. So you interviewed a, a sort of old Verbier head. Yeah, uh, I can't I guy's Yeah, yeah. And um, I found those super interesting. So is that was that just a one-off, or is that something that you're going to do more of, or was that cut short because of uh, this? Uh, yeah, I would really like
1: to do more. Of it depends on budget um, and um, it, it, you know, for me, it, I would just have you seen Marcus Caston and Return of the Turn. Oh, yeah yeah I love how I mean skis. he's an there's, absolute, there's a guy he's an so. absolute legend and yeah. he, he's a hero of mine and I saw those episodes and I was like that's absolutely brilliant you know because yeah. I see so many people here who don't have that much ski technique and they've got big fat skis and you know avalanche yeah. bags and, and and they benefit so much more from actually learning a little bit of how to ski mm-hmm.
0: and What's that about, by the way, Verbier? The fat skis, avalanche bags. And they're, not, they're, never, they're never skiing off a piece, these people. Well, it's interesting because in the second series of Rip and Grip,
1: it was all about the, the 80s here and, and a really famous ski photographer called Marco Shapiro. Mm. And they lived in a chalet and there were sort of ski bombs and Ace Cavalli. And, and they, they were on the freestyle team for Willy Bogner and the, the Bogner brand. Mm. And he basically took lots of photos in, in Verbier and they were on Powder Magazine, and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. And they made Verbier famous. But, uh, but, and it was Plakey, and you know, yeah. Marco was actually in Blizzard of Oz, mm. and you know, those boys could ski on those straight, long skis in powder, mm. and they had amazing technique, and you see them in the bumps, Yeah. incredible. And they would just ski every day, practice, practice, mm. practice. Mm. And part of that second episode was actually well if these days it's just so much easier with equipment and everything else and Verbier is a free ride mecca it's unbelievable you know you can access so much stuff from lifts yeah it, you know it, it's incredible and but then you see it, because then it attracts people and they get the fat skis and they've not properly learned how to ski and it, I think they're missing out so yeah. Marcus Caston is like Learn well, how to ski everything. Skiing piste is absolutely amazing. Skiing some bumps is amazing. Skiing yeah. different stuff. Yeah. And when you've got that solid fundamental and base and technique, you can go and do anything you want. Yeah. And, and so that actually inspired me to, to make these videos and got a few more ideas
0: for some, for some more. I'd love to see yeah. some more. Yeah, uh, what I'll do is you give me a link to where they are and I'll drop that in the, the notes of the podcast somewhere, yeah, so people can watch those. But yeah, I, I love, I also love those Marcus Castor videos. Right? Yeah, the way that guy skis is so oh, lovely, loose, yeah, fluid, right? He just does what he needs to do to balance, exactly. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't look like ski key technique, do you see what I mean? It's just yeah. like balancing, yeah, active balancing. Um I, yeah, it's just just wonderful to look at. And I the one I really, really like that he did was um, he went to this like little hill in Buffalo somewhere. It was like just a tiny little place like one ski hill, just yeah. a family hill or one lift hill. And, you know, I was just having a great time with people. That's what skiing's all about for me. It's like you know, it's a sense of community and just getting up there and having fun and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah all right cool where can people find you if they need to find you um, sort of I'm in verbiate
1: okay little, little if little you, rough, know's uh, me. you know uh, what sort of things you need like an email or no what? no well, I'll, I'll put them in later but <laughs> yeah. like if anyone wants to get yeah. in
0: touch with you for whatever reason or you know where could they I've got a, a Facebook page Tom Waddington Ski
1: Coach or Instagram uh, Tom Waddington Skier under, okay. underscore skier okay. um, any, anything like that is, is, is cool if they want to get in touch
0: alright and I'll drop in a, a link to this place as well cool um, as well as yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm sort of based in Oona Lodge in, in Le sharp and so if anyone needs uh, some accommodation you yeah. can also get in touch that's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant alright well look um, thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed I really really brilliant. appreciate it that's going to fall off again isn't it and, awesome. um yeah Thank you,
1: Dave. Thank Thank you. you. Good to see you.